Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Sometimes in worship, you know, we get into a, kind of like a, like a little frenzy and get, which is wonderful. Other times, we empty ourselves. Our last song was an emptying of ourselves. And unless we're willing to let go of some things, we can't get a hold of some things. And emptying uh, is such a, it's a, it's a, it's a portion, it's a, it's a path of a servant and or a disciple, someone who's willing to let go of his ideas and or her ways and get a hold of the new ways and the new thing. So we're doing, we did that this morning. Thank you, worship team, for excellent worship. Excellent worship. Excellent worship. I, um, in my, the way that I um, uh, prepare my messages, I don't prepare a three-point message. If, so if you're looking for three points, good luck with that. <coughs> but what I do look for is what's the word of the Lord. And um, the, 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 the current word of the Lord, because there's a word that's proceeding from the mouth of the Lord. That's how we live, on words that proceed from the mouth of the Lord. And there's a word that's proceeding from the mouth of the Lord. Last year's sermons, last week's sermons, uh, aren't as effective as the current word of the Lord. Um, there's going to be about 90% of you that will enjoy about 50% of my message this morning. Leaves another 10 and 50, <laughs> sort of somewhere. <laughs> um, the, I, I honestly believe church is an essential service. And, you know, I probably enjoy a glass of wine like m- many of you do more than anybody, but, but when liquor stores can stay open, churches are closed, there's something wrong with the society. <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> so uh, I got a few things to say about that that you might hear. I might just sneak them in and you may not hear them. But I prayed that y'all have ears to hear this morning, so I'm assuming that's going to be good. Um, We have a globally recognized excuse to be mushy. Tell people that if you haven't seen them for a while, I miss you. Tell people that you, it's great to see them. Remind them how important they are as individuals. Tell people once you see them again, remind them that they're loved. And when you miss someone, it's, it's a normal response to say, you know, I miss you. And, and we're... In a, in a kind of an interesting time, and I want to make a little, I want to talk about Jesus this morning, favorite topic. I, I have about one millionth of a revelation on Jesus. I want to try and share that this morning. But um, I find myself kind of being programmed a little bit by our culture, uh, which is why um, I just wanted to remind us about the tearing down of proud arguments that exalt themselves above the knowledge of Christ, which is a stronghold. This is, a, this is one of our weapons of warfare. And um, I had a dream last week that I was in an elevator without a mask. <laughs> I guess that was a nightmare. <laughs> it's terrifying. And all, all, all of the crazy little dysfunctions that followed that in that dream, and I woke up, of course, you know, sweating and renouncing the whole thing. But, but the other thing I did is I, I went to visit a pastor uh, up in BC, and I, dr- I was driving home. I stopped at the Banff Springs Hotel. Autumn, it's when we were... 
uh, our honeymoon was in Benton Springs Hotel uh, 38 years ago next month. And um, I'd like to, I like to just, <laughs> I like to just uh, reminisce a little bit and go back to that place as I get, that it helps me to, <clears throat> you know, reconnect and be thankful and what have you. And I'm going into the Banff Springs Hotel, and, you know, you're just walking into a hotel. How we, like, it used to be a fairly simple process. You just walk into a hotel. Well, mo the, the big doors are, are locked so, that, so they can, you know, herd you like goats through a one little place. And then there's a guy there with a thing. And I'm, now I'm nervous. I thought I was just going to walk into the hotel, walk around. <clears throat> and now I wonder, did I forget something? Am I, I know I'm not registered here. Can't I just walk into a hotel? And he put, he put reached this little wand <clears throat> to put it on my hand. And I said, uh, I don't have a mark. <laughs> now, <laughs> the, whole, the whole dang thing is getting to me. <clears throat> I was nervous and my confession was, no, you, even if you put it on my forehead, I don't have the mark. <clears throat> but I was just, you know, you're preoccupied. And, and uh, I, I empathize with us all today. And I hope that what I have to share is, is helpful. Because there's one way to remove the knowledge of God from a culture, and that's to remove the people of God. If you can silence the people of God, the, the spirit of the age will have the dominant voice and the, the presence and the person of Christ will be minimized. We can't let that happen. <laughs> we can't let that happen. <clears throat> the lawlessness in the land is declaring that the path forward to fulfillment and the answer to chaos is to do what's right in your own eyes and reject the morals and ethics of the scriptures. Th this is seen in the cycle of sinful patterns in the book of Judges. And uh, we, we are in those days <clears throat> that the way to a better life is to determine what's good or evil on our own, apart from God's word and apart from God. This, friends, is the essence of humanism. Uh, we need to uh, not be silent. We've reached a place where good is evil and evil is good. I want you to be aware of the false promise of justice because it will not and it cannot come until Christ returns. No government can usher in. We've already seen. And if you're watching even fragments of the news, you'll see that, and I mentioned some of it last week, but even the, the, um, the, the well, uh, let me get to the word. But Jesus said this, he said, take heed that no one deceive you. For this reason, that deception is going to be around you in increasing and increasing measures. We're told in scripture that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Uh, in the 21st century, a device is different than it was in the first century. We're not ignorant of his <laughs> devices. Doesn't mean a iPhone. It means, literally, it means mental perceptions and thought. Our nation is being seduced into normalizing sin and rejecting godly morals. The news media no longer reports truthful events, but their version of those events. I'm asking today, and I've asked that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see what's taking place around us. I can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And if you have eyes to see, he will show you what's taking place. And if he has ears to hear, he will speak to you about what's taking place and our part in this agenda. This morning, I want to talk about Jesus, the living word. Um, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the logos of God. To, to, to my surprise, if you 
Those of you who are Greek students, there's three languages in the, New, in the, in the Bible, Hebrew and the Old Testament was written largely in Hebrew. Um, a lot of the New Testament was written in both Greek and Aramaic. The word logos is number 3056 in your Strong's Concordance, and you can go look it up yourself. Um, I was very surprised because I was raised in an era when I was told that logos was the written word. I don't know if you heard that or not. <clears throat> and rhema was the spoken word of God. Uh, that's not what the Bible specifically teaches us. The word logos, because Jesus is the logos of God, it means reasoning, motive, computation, including the thought process and the divine expression. Jesus, the logos of God, the reasoning of God, the computation of God, the divine expression of God, Jesus um, is the logos of God and he is building his church. <laughs> he is. And it's a bit mind-blowing when we think of the Trinity, even try to, try to think of the Trinity, because most of us don't have uh, enough brain cells to make it all make sense. But the Father didn't die on the cross for you and my sin. He's, uh, he couldn't, what, what, did not reduce himself to time and space. The Holy Spirit, of course, of course, could not be nailed to a cross. Jesus was. The man Jesus, the reasoning, the logic, the wisdom, and the motive of God. There's one name under heaven by which you must be saved, and that name is Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to preach about Jesus. And reading through uh, Galatians this week, I, uh, this isn't the text, and they don't have it, but uh, I was taken by his, uh, he says, you are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. Just I'm just saying we can't be fooled because there's an agenda to deceive us and trick us and even to minimize and eliminate Christ as the wisdom, the logic, and the complete computation of God. There was only one stabilizing force on the earth, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. If they're active and engaged and ready to stand up for the truth. Uh, there's a new thing going on. Can you see it? The Bible reminds us that the reason we don't hear is because we would be responsible then to obey. I'm kind of being a little militant this morning, a little bit sarcastic, but I am calling the, the church, the, his body, to a war. It's not a physical war, of course, but it's nevertheless violent because it's fought with spiritual weapons. And if you're not willing to fight for what you want, then you shouldn't cry about what you don't get. I'm saying we're at a time and a threshold where we need to fight for what is right. And if we don't have the word of the Lord ingrained, written on our heart and ingrained within us, uh, we will not know how to fight, nor will we know what the word of the Lord is to us because we'll fall subject to every other interpretation. Paul was saying, he says, don't be fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter knew the importance of being alert, and I want to talk about being alert. He wasn't always alert. <laughs> he would speak up when he should be silent. He'd rush ahead when he should have waited, and so he knows about being alert. Uh, last week, we talked about we war together, learning who the enemy is, 
Fear is a very destructive emotion that minimizes and eliminates our ability to hear from God. Matthew 24 says there's going to be rumors, so see that your hearts are not troubled. We're, 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 we're riddled with rumors. Fear will throw you into survival mode and often illogical and irrational. We end up in extremes. In this mindset, the fear, fearful will silence, fear can silence logic. You're free to choose. This is a very big deal, that we're free to make a choice. And, you're, and, and, and the Lord will never force you to make any decision. He'll put an option in front of you. Our cho- we're free to choose. We are not free to choose the consequence of our choice. We live with uh, the consequences of our choice. Um, uh, let's just leave it there. Uh, Second Peter chapter 1, I love this order. He says, Simon Peter, I'm reading from the ESV, a servant and an apostle. First a servant. And those who, to those who ordained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, such an important passage, I think, for us, because this is not a day to be simply a Christian, not simply to be a believer. James 2 says that the demons believe and they tremble. Many of us aren't as clever as them. We don't even tremble because we believe. It's not a time just simply to be a believer. It's time to be a disciple. Um, Jesus said, You'll be, you're my disciples indeed if you obey everything that I say. And, and then he said, and the truth and that experience you have will liberate you. The, libera- the, 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 the experience you have by walking in truth, by walking with me and obeying the things that I say. That's what a disciple is. And, and he says that grace and peace is multiplied to us in our knowledge, which means, our, uh, it means an experiential knowledge in your experience, not just your intellectual knowledge. But grace and peace will be multiplied to you in your experience with Christ. He would say, uh, I think it's King James says that grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, he is our subject, Jesus. And, and so the first thing that I want us to be reminded of is you can't separate Jesus from the word. He is the expression and the reasoning of God. You can't separate the Holy Spirit from the word. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. You need to spend time in the gospel if you want to figure out who God is, not the Old Testament. Uh, the reason I know that is because I love the Old Testament. I studied the Old Testament, and I found I could not get an accurate picture of what God was like. Now, you can, those of you who are much more mature than I. But in order to get an accurate vision of what God is like, you need to discover what Jesus was like. He's the exact representation. Never before in history when people had all kinds of goofy ideas what God was like, but only when Jesus came were they able to say, oh, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm the exact representation. That's hard for many of us to believe because it's hard for me to believe. I go, really? Was he? Is, really? Well, you can't separate him from the word. Those who want to hear must be willing to obey. In the life of the disciple is one that's teachable and always willing to lay aside his personal perspective or opinion or image for the accurate one. And we're all in that process of growth. I'm going to hit a couple little sacred cows, make some hamburger in just a moment. Grow in grace and the experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of our ideas of God are neither good, biblical, nor healthy. And our image of God will determine our actions that we take as followers of Christ. So, so the, a disciple is willing to be transformed into the image of Christ. A disciple is not just a believer. 
and growth is not automatic. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Getting saved is a very easy thing. If, you know, if you've not given your life to Christ, a very easy thing. Being a disciple, very hard. Getting saved is about accepting what Christ has done for me. Being a disciple, so he gave up his life for me. Being a disciple is my, me giving up my life for him. That's painful because I love my life. I love my wife. Just, she's taking notes. I love, I, you know, and I, I love myself. And so dying to self is not that attractive an option for me. But that's the path of a disciple. Discipleship will take your life. It's only when I renounce, reject any perspective, teaching, or lifestyle that's contrary to that of Christ. Grace, by definition, is power based on trusting his truth. We're to grow in grace. We're to grow in our ability, our capacity, our strength, and our experience of Jesus Christ as Lord. In verse 8, it says of First Peter or sorry, 2 Peter, it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, growth is not automatic. Some, some, do, some don't think they have to actually apply themselves to being a follower of Christ. I don't know if you've heard that or not. There's some goofy teaching uh, that everything other than what Christ has done is works. Let me, let me try. I won't be able to clarify that enough, but I'm just saying that we're to be working out our salvation. <laughs> It's a, it's a decision. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, the qualities need to be increasing in our life, they will keep you from being ineffective and un unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks the qualities is nearsighted and he is blind, having forgotten that he's been cleansed from his former sins. And, and then he goes on to saying uh, the importance of us working at that. Therefore, the moment I refuse to repent, change my mind, and surrender, I'm no longer functionally... A disciple. So when I, when I reject his word, I am functionally rejecting him. Okay? Simple, right? That's probably point number one. <clears throat> um, the process of repentance is always dynamic. It's not one time. I don't know if you've met any people or not who have given their life to Christ and they're still completely entangled and wrapped up in former addictions, former uh, dysfunctions, former habits that they can't break. Um, I, I, meet, I meet people like that all the time. I meet, uh, I meet that person in the mirror in the morning. I meet, you, you meet them all the time, right? You, you've had a, I've had an encounter, but I, have, I also have uh, engaged myself in an ongoing encounter of listening and obeying what he's saying to me today, a little, uh, which is a lot more work. Being transformed requires much broader uh, definition, image, and trust to bring about that change. We're not, we're not able to grab a hold of the new man while we're holding firmly on to the old man. Okay. Good. <clears throat> so far, so good, right? We need to stay connected to the word, otherwise our interpretations will become subjective. It says in verse 4 of 1 Peter, uh, sorry, I don't think that's right, verse 19 I think it is, uh, where it talks about Scripture, and he said, we have a prophetic word more confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a shining light in a dark place until the d day dawns with the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing that, first of all, there's no proph prophecy of Scripture that comes from someone's own interpretation. Why am I saying this? I'm saying in the end times we're ending up, we're getting close uh, to where there's lots of deceptions, uh, lots of distortions, and let me just emphasize, Jesus said, and there's going to be lots of false teachers. And, and, and fa false teachers... Um, how do I say this in a polite way? Um, um, uh, maybe I can't. But 
But primarily, the message is, what is who is Jesus in your teaching? Because <laughs> that, that, that's, that's our cornerstone. He is the cornerstone. And those who are building their life or their ministry or their business, Christ needs to be the cornerstone, the one that sets the path for all others. If we don't accept Christ as that image, if we don't accept the word uh, as the word and, and Christ and the logic and the wisdom of God, we'll make up our own interpretations of how things are supposed to go. We have no choice. When we reject the truth, we believe a lie. These are the options. All right, so staying connected. He says, you have these great and precious promises so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption of the word, world. And these qualities are yours and ever increasing. To have Jesus in our hearts, we need to have the word in our hearts. This all seems pretty straightforward. I know. When we separate the word from Jesus, it becomes dry. When it just becomes another literary book, which it's not. There's no other book like it in the world. But when we separate it, it becomes dry. Because it, did anybody, has anybody found that relationships take work? Anybody married here or about to be married or used to be married? Or, yeah, takes work. That first in- encounter was so emotional and so beautiful. So touching. <laughs> I'm careful. <laughs> but you know what? After that, it takes some work. It's no different with your relationship with Christ. That relationship takes some work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, you're not going to get the results. It says simple sowing and reaping has nothing to do with karma. To have Jesus at home in our heart, we have to work at. Relationships take work. No work, no relationship. Has anybody noticed that we change over time? I mean, not just physically, but all kinds of stuff changes. Sort of settles. It, stuff changes, right? I, I would never change the relationship I have with my wife now to the, re- the relationship I had in our first year of marriage. That was like UFC, m- knock them down, drag them out. Like, I'm not doing that again. Well, well I, I needed to learn some stuff. Your relationship with Christ is not much different. And he... But he, he only, he plays fair. But sometimes you've got to wrestle down that old man. They don't die easy, those guys. You've got to work at that. And as, your relation, as you grow in Christ, we used to sing a song, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I hope that's your experience. For some, you were judging by how they look, the longer you serve him, the sourer you get. You look like a jogger. No jogger has fun. <laughs> I'm a walker. I meet people. Well, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Have a nice day, thanks. Runners, they're, they're, they're mean-looking people. It's the same with, often cyclers are the same. They're, walkers, they're at peace with the world. <laughs> when I ride my Harley, and uh, me, and, me and my friends, often we're, you see Harley riders a little bit bigger. There's none of them here right now. Oh, yeah, they're... Well, and then we see these little skinny people on bikes. We say, oh, we probably should be on that pedal bike. <laughs> um, the longer you serve him, the sweeter he, he grows. And, and the process 
of you and I understanding what he's like requires us laying down our lives. That's how we find our life, laying it down. This is not an easy process. I was talking to the Lord about this the other day, and, and I said, how do I deal with this? He said, crucify the fl flesh. I said, mm, is, there, is there another option? Crucifixion didn't seem that, that can't be you, Lord. Um, I, I just gonna, I'm just going to move along. Our, our, uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16 reminds us, because uh, sometimes people, I hear people say they've got a covenant with, with the Lord. You don't have a covenant with the Lord. There's only one that has a covenant with the Lord. His name is Jesus. If I'm in Christ, I am covenanted now to, to the Lord. There's one. He says it's not, the promise was not to seeds, Galatians 3.16, but to the seed. Outside of Christ, you have no inheritance. Outside of Christ, you have no victory. Outside of Christ, you don't have any of the benefits of the covenant. But in Christ... You and I, the most miraculous thing that has ever happened on the earth is called we become joint heirs with Christ. You can, I think you can probably remove yourself from that relationship, probably, and not get the benefits of it. But as long as I'm connected to Christ, my relationship is good, my, my heart is laid down, my mind is being renewed, I have now an inheritance in Christ that's solid, untouched, kept in heaven for me. This is, this is the gospel. Not what I can do, but what has been done. All right. So, promise was spoken to Abraham, to his seed. The scripture does not say to seeds. Many, meaning many, but to one in Christ. Verse 26. And in Christ, we are all sons through faith. You and I have a covenant with God in Christ, as Christ says. And, and the last or the second last um, point. That name. There's no other name. There's just no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. I'm told in the New Testament, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, you don't even, sometimes we just throw Jesus at the end of a prayer as a little superstitious act. Not, not, and not actually embracing who he is, the knowledge, the character, the victory, the provision that he's made. Jesus is the very logos, the logic of everything that came before and everything that comes after. Jesus. Fear and panic caused people uh, to be willing to give up their rights. <clears throat> Look around. We're trusting the logos of the government. We're, tr we're trusting the logos of health care. We're told to trust the logos of God, and his name is Jesus. Don't exchange the wisdom of the world for the wisdom of the Lord. <laughs> We're to trust in him with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding. <clears throat> the purpose, the, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a global agenda that has the purpose of preparing the world for a one-world government. Oh, surprise. We should not be surprised. Those of us who are students of the word, we're, this is not a surprise. And, and they're preparing for the doppelganger of the original. They're preparing for one who sounds and looks like the Savior of the world, the Antichrist. But you and I get to be part of the authentic, the real Christ. Be careful because we're being conditioned. We have access and authority to pursue the logic and the reason of God. When we have a living relationship with God, we will not fear the unknown. You may not know what the future holds, but you can know who holds the future. You can. 
We don't like risk. It's uncomfortable. But God's never going to embarrass you. You're never going to harm you. You're never going to hurt you. He's only going to bless you. Did you know the, the word bless, the word bless, the Hebrew word for bless is always plural. He is El Shaddai, the, the one, the many blessing, blessed one. He never just gives you one. He heaps blessings on you. This is him, the one I'm inviting you to participate in, in your life. The Logos is the word of God made flesh. And the path of the disciples is not becoming nice, but becoming real. The truth is what is true, made understandable, applicable, and functional in life. Jesus said, that's when you would be my disciple in John chapter 8. Um, um, one, one way to prove a, a disciple from an onlooker, it says, this is how they're going to be able to prove that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. How's that going? I'm very convicted with this, these things sometimes. I can't skip over them. We're told in Scripture that there come, a time would come when the love of many would grow cold. Welcome to that era. There is agendas separating families right now. It's ungodly and it's unbiblical. <laughs> <coughs> The deception before Christ would return, it would be global with the purpose of replacing godly morals, ethics, and values where we do what's right in our own eyes. The, the, the word, he says, in the beginning was the word. Jesus was in the beginning. He's not an afterthought. In the beginning was the word. False teachers will be characterized by personal re revelations. And there's only one antidote for, tr for a lie, and that's the truth. J Jesus was different than any other teacher, and he was the first one to qualify to say, this is what the word is in life and in wisdom, because he had been with the Father, and he only did what he saw his Father do. I want to just wrap this up by saying this. Um, um, the primary person in Scripture is called the word, yet he never wrote one word in Scripture. He was the word. That specific thought rattles my cage. I had someone tell me one day that Jesus isn't even in Genesis. I said, no, he is Genesis. He is Genesis. <laughs> he, the argument was fairly short. I said, he, he is <laughs> Jacob's ladder, and he is Joseph's dream, and he is Noah's ark, and he is Abraham's promise. He is the one that would bruise the head of Satan. What do you mean he's not in Genesis? In the beginning was <clears throat> the word. He says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. To trust my teachings, obey my teachings, apply the blood of Christ and the spirit of the resurrection. To agree with Jesus is the exact representation of God is to commit to discipleship and lordship. To protect your heart from deception, accept Jesus as the living word, the model, the example that was from the beginning. The Logos was all God ever intended, applied with the motive only of love. He said he would appear to those who are looking for him. My question to you is, are you looking for him? He said, I'm coming for those who are looking for me. I, yeah, I know you're looking around us because there's lots of things to see around you. But I want to encourage you that these are the days where we should not just be looking around, we should be looking up 
because our redemption is drawing nigh. The dark is getting darker, but that's all right. That doesn't bother us because we are the embodiment of light. If you'll let the light out, <clears throat> how's your relationship with Christ? Our eyes need to focus on the realities of heaven, not the corruption of earth. Sure, go ahead, ban Netflix, whatever. That's fine. What I'm saying is your eyes on the skies. That's my question. How's your relationship? How's your prayer life? Because your relationship with anyone is the level of its communication. What are you getting from the word for your marriage? What are you getting from the word for your business? What are you getting from the word for your relationships? That's what I want to know. Because that, that communication that takes place is the quality of your relationship with the word. You can't separate the word from Christ. He is the word. The gospel that has not touched the heart will not will turn into true performance. It's quite likely that the church is going to take on a new look. I'm not going to get controversial. I'm going to get biblical for a moment for a change. It's quite likely that the church is going to take on a whole new look. It's quite likely it's going to take on a whole new feel. It's quite likely that's going to take on a whole new power. Quite likely. It's possible that the church may even end up going underground like it did in China. That only proved more and more the resurrection power that was in his body. I think that we're coming to a day not unlike the time of Stephen. He looked and he had this revelation of Jesus. It's a man who did great miracles and said that all the officials, they, we said we cannot withstand his wisdom and his actions. Can't withstand the things that we can't, we have no power against that. This is where you and I are at today. If we're functioning in the wisdom, the logic, the logos of God, that's where we stand today. Uh, you may be looking for an outpouring, and we sang about it today. I'm looking for an uprising. The church to become the church. Not wait for something else to happen, but to use what we've got already. What's in your hand, what's in your heart. Use what you've got already. There's no greater tool than the Word of God. No greater tool, no greater weapon. Don't try to reduce the return of the Master to a series of variables or sequences. That's being foolish. You and I are to make disciples and be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I call you into a vital union and agreement and desire to see his return. People, there's a conspiracy of darkness and wickedness that's rising with governments complying and preparing the world for the Antichrist. But we are preparing today for the true Christ. That's what we're preparing for. Unity and faith, a church filled with hope. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on the revelation of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say come. It's up to you and I to agree with this coming. Can we actually slow it down, speed it up? I think we can. You may not agree with that, that's fine. I, I think we can. I think that the Lord's not willing that any should perish. I think his patience is being extended and it's being stretched. But you and I, before we say, we begin to pray that prayer, come Lord Jesus, give us a heart for the harvest, Lord. Give us a heart for those who are not yet at the table, Lord. 
I don't want any spare seats at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't want any empty, empty place settings there. We don't want to see that. We need to have a heart for our city, have a heart for our family, have a heart for those that are untouched yet by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I who embody that are the greatest messages, the greatest containers. We are those living scrolls. You and I are living letters. We are living stones. We are the ones that bring the message of hope to a world that's hurting and confused. You and I are it. There's no plan B. It's us. We are the church. We are the bride. We are the sheep of his pasture, and he's coming soon. Are you ready? Stand with me as I pray for you today. Father, I thank you that we can grow in both grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you gave the clearest and most profound example by laying down your life that I might have a life. And today, Lord, in this room, there may be people that don't know you as Savior. If that's you today, I want you to put up your hand courageously and I'm going to pray for you where you're standing. Is there anyone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior? Just put your hand up. These are the days. This is the moment. Today's the day. Holy Spirit, Father, as your church, as your bride, as we're preparing in these days, Thank you that we will not be deceived by global medias or messages of medical cartels that are trying to persuade us to follow values, ethics, or logic that's outside other revealed scriptures. I thank you, Father, today for a heightened hunger for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for the great promise that you've given us, that you're with us always. Father, I pray for this body today for blessing. I declare over each one of those today with hearts that are open that we will not be taken by surprise. This will not be like a thief in the night. It'll be like with a trumpet because we'll have heard your word. Be no surprise. Lord, we'll be those who can see and, and like the sons of Issachar, know what to do. Father, today I declare over this body eyes that are seeing the true word of the Lord in this generation and not being tricked. God, that we will not be tricked. We will not be trapped. We will not be deceived. We will not be downtrodden, even though we're perplexed on every side. We'll not be out of the game. God, I thank you that you place within us your spirit, not just resilient, but resurrecting. God, I declare today over this people that they will be alive with your presence. They will be filled with your spirit. They will be energized by conviction. And your love will, will constrain us. It will move us forward out of all forms of apathy. It will move us forward out of places where we've been put asleep. It will move us forward in the agenda of the kingdom of God. And we say as your bride, come Lord Jesus. Fill us once again with purpose and with power. Light a fire underneath us, we pray. And within us, oh God, let us not pull back. Let us not be silenced. Let us not be muzzled. Let us not be shut down. Father, I declare the opening of the church, the river of God, the water of life. Let it flow, we pray today, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Oh yeah.
Oh, yeah. Yeah, you see, it wasn't that bad. Holy Spirit, I'm going to just ask you to take a seat for 30 seconds. Actually, likely more. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.